You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of an educational grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today we have Dr. Sandrine Humbert with us, who is the Inserm Research Director at the Grenoble Institute of Neuroscience, and we're going to be talking about her HD research in embryos. Dr. Humbert, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's start off. This is one of my favorite questions to ask anybody who comes on. Um, why did you choose to research Huntington's disease? So I am. A, so my background is the uh, basic science in uh, biology, and uh, very soon I was attracted by the study of uh, how. Uh, the brain uh, assembles and uh, how it is maintained uh, in adulthood. Uh, but my goal is at the end is to understand the normal ways the brain assembles and is maintained to better understand how it is dysfunctional in a, a specific disease. And uh, I found that uh, studying Huntington's disease was uh, fascinating because, as you know, it's a genetic disorder. So we know that we have one uh, modification of one gene that really leads to this disorder. And uh, I, I was attracted to better understand how uh, uh, this uh, modification of this gene and the protein uh, uh, will uh, uh, induce uh, cellular and molecular uh, defects. This will be integrated into a dysfunctioning of the brain. That's awesome. And we're certainly glad that you are working on Huntington's disease. Um, so we're talking about your research today that's titled Huntington's disease alters human development in the fetal stage. Can you tell us what this research entails? Okay. So what we've been doing is that uh, with my colleague that is a clinician, Alexandra Dur, so she's the clinician that uh, actually is uh, taking care of uh, HD uh, patients and uh, HD carriers and families. Uh, we have a long uh, standing collaboration and uh, uh, we are particularly interested by uh, the early step of uh, disease and or uh, even uh, when there is uh, sometimes only looking at age carriers that have absolutely no manifestation, okay. And since several years now, uh, our research uh, led us to think that uh, even during uh, uh, the developmental period when the brain is growing and is assembling, uh, the fact that you have a, a gene uh, uh, that is modified as in Huntington's disease, it may impact the development of the brain. So what we did is uh, we've been looking, uh, so 
this is my part as a basic scientist. I'm working on mouse models of Huntington's disease. And uh, during the past years, I found that uh, when the brain assembles, several uh, modifications that are observed in the case of mouse model of Huntington's disease. But of course, when you work with mouse, you never know if this will be relevant to human. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to address specifically this point, uh, we accessed uh, uh, some human fetuses that are uh, carriers of the H gene, and they were obtained uh, upon abortion uh, from women that didn't want to uh, transmit the gene. Okay, so we collect uh, these fetuses, so it's quite a rare material. Mm-hmm. And so you, in France, uh, you do uh, uh, the, the test uh, and, uh, around uh, gestation week 13, you have a, a, what we call a medical uh, abortion mm-hmm. for medical reasons. So we collect the samples and we decided to look at the development of one region of the brain. So in control samples that are uh, obtained through uh, normal process of uh, classical uh, I would say a classical abortion, and gene carrier, HD gene carriers. And we found, so we looked at the way, uh, at cells that will um, leave brain. So at this stage, you have to imagine that at this stage, the cells are still uh, cycling, they are still uh, proliferating to form a human, to form an entire brain, huh? because we're talking about week 13. Right. So we, look, we looked at these cells and there are uh, some characteristic features uh, by immunostaining. So it means, uh, I don't know, we make actions and we look at how, it, uh, how different types of neuronal markers. And we found uh, already at this stage uh, some very early on, uh, some alterations. Okay. Um, so basically meaning that in these fetuses that are HD gene carriers, you have already abnormalities in the way that the cell will cycle and give later on neurons. And this is particularly true in region, in these regions that will be later on, 50 decades after that, uh, site of degeneration in Huntington's disease. So you're saying that in the fetal stage, even before a, a baby is born, there are changes in the brain development that yes. we will not see manifest up to, you know, up to 50 decades. So it's exactly what we're saying. We're seeing. So what it means, as you underlined, is that there will be this period of, because we're talking hear about most cases that are late onset. Right. Okay. Because the, the fetuses we had access to, they had a, a typical uh, form of gene that in most cases will give a very late onset. Okay. A late onset as it is the case in most of Huntington's disease. So it means that you have a, a large period of 50 years mm-hmm. that is completely silent. Okay. You can do many hypotheses, but the main hypothesis is that the brain will compensate for these changes and will, because hopefully we have uh, the brain is something that is very plastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you have already heard that uh, uh, when you have flu, 
it's not very good for the brain of the baby, but hopefully, when the doctor has a flu, but hopefully the brain is plastic enough to compensate. Right. So that's what our findings are. You have the effects, so I mean, yeah. However, the follow-up of our research was what is going on during the 50-year period? How do the brain compensate? What are the mechanisms that will make the brain to compensate? So why is that important to know that? I mean, to, can you explain to the Huntington's community why that's so important to know? So, so of course, my, my research just doesn't want, so I don't know what about this. It's stigmatized. Uh, uh, on, yeah. I mean, of course, it doesn't mean that the problem is not to say, okay, it's terrible, you are affected when you're the, the, right. what, what should come this is the fact that you have this compensation that is possible. Okay. But it also means that you can understand that if in the processes of brain development, you are already compensating compensating pathways, molecules, mechanisms, we should know it and vision therapeutic, therapeutic pathways. Mm -hmm. Because when you have something that is already compensated during 40 years, maybe you don't want to compensate it even more. Maybe this is not a good thing. So it's important in a longitudinal perspective of treatment because the community, although now we have this uh, real hope, the antisense anti oligonucleotide, yep. it's important for the community uh, to know during all this period of the silent phase what's going on. So we will be more and more, uh, it will be more and more uh, easy or let's say more relevant to know when, where to, when and with what kind of molecules uh, we should treat patients. Right. right. I'm not sure I'm enough. Well, no, you are. So, so as you're saying, basically the brain, you know, find out whether or not the brain is compensating from this development stage, this brain development stage up until 50 decades. It's important because your brain can only compensate so much. And what treatments are we going to look at that will will not um, necessarily make it worse as far as the compensation goes? Oh, yes. Or uh, I think at, at for the moment it's really a, ba a basic science. I mean, as I said at the beginning, basic science. Right. Uh, but at the same time, my entire goal in life since 20 years is to work on Huntington's disease and to come up with a treatment at the end. Right. So, and I, but I think this goes with a deep understanding on how the how brain works. works and how it doesn't work in disease. Okay. Right. So for the moment, my message is more about basic understanding of the pathology, but how it progresses, how the brain will adapt to the protein that is not as normal as in the non-condition, mm -hmm. because this is, to me, absolutely required to adapt the treatment. Okay. Yeah. As I said, in 
in some cases, maybe if we, if we see that some molecules are compensated by being upregulated, you will not want to push them over the top. And in contrary, if, some, if for some pathways of molecules, the compensation will, do, will go through a downregulation of the pathway, you don't want to downregulate it more, but maybe at, depending on the age, you, you may want to, at some point, upregulate it, downregulate it, etc. And this balance, the, the longitudinal uh, pro, the progression of the disorder, I think, is the knowledge of how it works during the progression of the disease, or not the disease, because at this stage, people are uh, normal. The, the disease is silenced. So it's really to for the knowledge of the progression of the longitudinal progression of the disease. Because you must, I mean, I guess you know that the, the fields, and it, this is not only the Huntington disease field, it's also the field of Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and all these fields are in agreement to know that, uh, in agreement with the uh, fact, uh, the concept that the earlier treatment is the better. Yeah, I mean, we should go as closer as possible to the people that are, do not show any signs to 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 be able to tackle uh, the to the the defects before they are too bad, basically. So, looking at what's going on very early on during disease progression will be important. Then, not only to know more about uh, uh, therapies when, where to treat, but also it will be important to, to have access to what we call biomarkers. Yeah. So it means to be able to know at what stage of the disease we are. Uh, and again, this will be, this is absolutely essential for the treatment. Yeah, absolutely. Knowledge is power. So anything that we can... Really, uh, for the HD community of uh, patients and families, I don't want to frighten them by telling them, okay, uh, since the beginning, the brain is not going well. That's not the point of the study. The, the, really, the point of the study is to say, okay, we see that there are some things that are not going well, but again, it's not striking effects, huh, as you can right. see. Uh, subtle stuff that are going on, and the brain can adapt, and the brain is plastic. So it means that what we need to do now is to study what's going on in this long period of time. Well, and I think that's a very important point in that the um, the brain compensates, right? We see this in traumatic brain injury. Somebody has traumatic brain injury, the the brain finds pathways um, exactly. to do stuff. So um, that's just a great point. And this knowledge of um, showing these subtle changes, knowledge is power. If we know this, the more the more we know about Huntington's, like you said, the more we can work with with treatments. We can work with biomarkers um, to find what we need. So yeah, but that's a very very good point. That just because you hear, okay, we there's a change in the fetal stage, doesn't mean that the brain won't be able to compensate. That's what our brain does. 
Um, and as I said, I really want to insist, and as I, I told you, I, I worked on this project with uh, Alexandra Dur, that is a, she's a clinician, mm -hmm. and she's always coming back to say that, that there is this silent phase. Right? It's not because you have fetishism defect that you, there is a very long silent phase. Uh, and we need to understand what's going on there. Yeah. So what are your next steps? For your research? So for my research, one of the other observations that we made in this study is that, in fact, for the events that we have been studying during uh, fetus, develop fetus uh, development, brain development, the mouse models of Huntington's disease were not that bad. They are quite, they are resembling the human pathology, which means that of course, for the fetuses, we have only access to one time point, the time point when the abortion occurs, okay? So what we can do now is you, for the all the, as I told you, uh, my, my, my goal now is to look at what's going on longitudinally, what's going on at every embryonic stage, what's going on at very early postnatal stage, but this we will be able now to address in mouse back because we have noticed that mouse are good model of brain development. There are major differences, of course, but at least there are some mechanisms that can be uh, studied um, and can be trustful of uh, trust. We can trust the results we obtain. So what I am doing in the lab now is to using mouse models. I'm following up what's going on at every stage of embryonic development postnatal development, how the brain assembles the circuits, okay? how the neurons are connecting from one brain region to another brain region, mm -hmm. and how does it occur in control and Huntington disease uh, mouse model. So, of course, there, uh, I have... Uh, uh, 12 people, uh, between 12 and 15 uh, uh, researchers that are working with this aspect. That's amazing. And I'll be very interested to hear, you know, what you guys find as as development goes. You know? um, because I'm even with juvenile um, studies and the pediatric studies, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're already seeing changes. So obviously that goes hand in hand. Well, obviously if we if we see changes in fetal development, and we're seeing changes in in certain studies at pediatric level, there's got to be something in between too that changes. Um, I know like um, when I participated in um, a clinical trial and they did PET scans and MRIs of the brain, and one of the things that they found, you know there are already changes in the brain, even though I am considered pre-manifest. So, um, but you can already see those changes. So it's very interesting to me, like you said, this long silent phase and how that brain is compensating. So I'll be very interested to hear more. I think uh, during the silent phase, there is hope that we can help the brain not to be tired by compensating, uh, you know, that's the idea. It's, uh, it's really the idea of uh, trying to help uh, because 
when you reach a very late stage, of course, you can help patients with all types of molecules. But when the cells are dead uh, and there is nothing, of course, that you can that can be done, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Humbert, I really appreciate you sharing the information about your research, um, and thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, like I said, I look forward to hearing more later. I just would like to add, uh, as usual, that I'm very close uh, to um, HD uh, patients and families. Mm -hmm. And uh, with uh, my colleague, uh, Alexandra Dur, I'd like to thank them uh, for trusting us and giving us access to uh, tissues and samples because it's, it's always very difficult uh, period to take this, this kind of decision. And, Absolutely. Um, we are very grateful to them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, again, thank you. Um, thank you. You take care. I'm going to end the show. Everybody um, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.